0: Welcome to this week's edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. It's, uh, of course, a unique podcast every week, uh, part of the Rick and Bubba content that is available. Uh, if you are sharing this with someone and uh, maybe somebody sent it to you, you don't know how to get this, you can get Rick and Bubba University wherever you get any podcast. And Bubba, we're going to be talking today with a, with a friend of the program and and really a lot of people being impacted negatively and in, and in a big way because we start thinking about how much of our economy is tied to people gathering. A bunch. Uh, well, we're going to talk to Phil Waldrop uh, not just about his book, which uh, we got a great response when we had him on for just a few minutes on the big show uh, because I think this is a time for us to use for many things, and we'll talk about the book, which will be one of them. But we're also going to talk to him about the impact uh, that this, um, this shutdown of our society, uh, the toll that it has taken on a, a ministry like this that is in the business uh, people gathering, but uh, Phil Waldrop of uh, Phil Waldrop Ministries joins us now. Phil, how are you, buddy?
1: Man, I'm doing great. I hope you guys are doing good, too.
0: Well, you know, these are these are times that uh, that are unprecedented. We've, we've never gone through, those of us, you know, that we weren't alive during the Depression, and, and we missed uh, parts of that, and uh, a lot of the folks that were, uh, not many of those are around, but uh, this is unprecedented times that we now live in. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit today on the, on the podcast and then get into the book. We've learned all kinds of new words like pandemic. Yeah, we've, we've, learned, we've learned how to use that. Yeah. So uh, hopefully you're feeling okay. But I, I do want to talk about this. You know, you could be in this situation and saying, look, let me tell you one thing that, that wasn't new. And that's the fact, you know, a lot of people out there go through men losing their hair. And this is not something that, uh, that is preferred or enjoyable. So we want to point you to keeps, K-E-E-P-S. They offer generic versions of, of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products. Now, this is the real deal, and the generic versions save you a fortune, and it's really simple. You just answer a few online questions, snap a few pics of your hair, uh, and a doctor will review everything and recommend the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for you. Then it's shipped directly to the door. So even in these times, you can get it no problem. So you're probably wondering if it'll work. Well, Sixty-six percent of men experience hair regrowth thanks to Keeps. So, look, don't don't struggle with losing your hair. Do something about it. Here's the deal: uh, go to Keeps K E E P S dot com slash Rick Bubba to get your first order of Keeps hair loss treatment for fifty percent off. That's right, half off. That's Keeps dot com slash Rick Bubba. Keeps dot com slash Rick Bubba. So, Phil Waldrop, you're here with us. Let's jump into the impact of this pandemic. I know that uh, looking forward to this summer, uh, it is in uh, it's Father's Day weekend, the Gridiron Men's Conference. Uh, this is a men's conference that you guys have been doing for how long now?
1: A uh, long time. <laughs> I don't exactly know how long we've been. We actually started doing a men's conference. It was really a retreat several years ago back actually in the 80s at Chuckles Springs in Talladega. And then we moved it to Tuscaloosa for a few years and then to Birmingham. And so we've actually been, you know, don't hold me to this, but I think all total a little about 20 years we've been doing a men's uh, retreat, men's conference. But the gridiron as we know it now, I think this is about our 13th or 14th year that we're going to be doing it.
0: Yeah, and I was honored to be asked to be part of that when it was still in Tuscaloosa. So I've been with you for the trip from Tuscaloosa to Birmingham. And then if we can can hold the date and, and it works out, Uh, Huntsville, Alabama, coming up this year. But one thing that people may not know uh, is that your ministry also, uh, you know, produces Women of Joy, uh, and these are women's conferences, and there's multiple cities and multiple dates when it comes to your Women of Joy. So I I can't imagine the impact. So first of all, tell us about the impact on your ministry and these events.
1: Well, I tell you, it, it does have an impact. This has impacted all of us. Fortunately, at this point, We've only had to cancel one of our Women of Joys. It was a smaller one that we do to kick off the year. And then we have uh, moved some of the others. We were able to find some other weekends and move them. Uh, It's just a matter of how long it's going to last. And, you know, I'm glad you asked that, Rick, because um, I I do want to say a word. Many times when people think, you know, it's very easy for someone to, you know, hey, we're just going to, you know, cancel a conference or move a conference. Are your pastor, hey, it's real easy just to call off church. But there's a lot of impact that happens. I was in Pigeon Forge uh, actually last week, and we were in the process of moving one we had there to actually the first weekend in the summer. And in the process of doing that, when people look at you that own hotels and ask you, are you going to be here the last weekend in April? And you tell them no, and then they immediately lay off 90% of their staff. And you have to look at that single mom walk out and knowing she's not going to have a job for a while, hopefully, you know, there's government help. But when you see that, you know, it's not as easy. And I've talked to pastors, and churches right now are running about 50% of what their offerings are. So I just want to give a plug, not, not for us, but you know i do think we're going to get through this we prepare for these because we do so many we had a tornado that hit the convention center a few years ago in branson um you remember even gridiron when it was in tuscaloosa a hurricane came through that's why we ended up moving it to birmingham uh was because so many of the hotels were destroyed so we kind of prepare for some things to happen but we don't prepare for it to be at the level that it is now. And so I, I wanted to say a word, if I can, Rick, to people. In this time, I know of uncertainty, don't stop giving to your local church because it's hard. Pastors right now are struggling. Do we lay off staff? When are we going to be back? And, and we're all hoping we're back by Easter. But if we're not, it's going to be long-term effects. So it's affecting a lot of people. I don't minimize those who have lost their job. But for those of us who are in a ministry role, uh, there's hard decisions that have to be made. And, and when those are made, I hope people are very kind and supportive and, uh, rather than being unkind and ugly.
2: Yeah, because even though a lot of churches are not meeting right at this moment, the, the work of what they're doing has picked up exponentially of what they're having to oh, do.
1: Actually, it, and you're right, it's actually increased a lot more. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot more people are out of work, Um, I'm talking to pastors every day who are dealing with people who uh, have have having some depression Uh, the anxiety level is up so people need somebody to talk to and I I talked to a ministry leader this week and he said that he said it's really set them back because his ministry involves with men and women who are trying to get off some kind of drug addiction particularly you know the, the opioids or whatever and he said when anxiety comes People who have struggled with that and they're not through it yet, they tend to go back to to those things that was in their you know what they're trying to get over, right. and so he was having to double his efforts just to encourage those people who who have really been you know trying to go back to that. That drug and trying to find some relief. And so you're right. People in ministry are doing more than ever. They're not sitting at home doing nothing. I can assure you of that.
0: Yeah, I actually talked to a young lady that was one of two people in a restaurant that was doing curbside service. And she said mm-hmm. that she was a recovering addict. And she said, My I'm in the middle of these meetings that I go to that help me, and now the meetings aren't being held. I can't do that. And you mm-hmm. could tell she said, You know, my struggle is I'm, I'm, I'm not down the end of the road yet. I still need this help and I need that counseling. And certainly I can call somebody on the phone. She said, but those groups meant so much to me. I don't think we really thought about until it happens. You never do until you're forced to how much of our economy and how much of our lives are tied to people gathering. Oh, totally.
1: And you remember, you know, many people have compared this to nine 11 and in some ways it did get the attention of our nation. But for those of us who remember, after 9-11, we were trying to encourage the opposite. People were trying to stay at home because they were scared or afraid of what was going to happen. They were afraid if they went to a large gathering, there would be a lot of people who, you know, a terrorist would come or something would happen. And so in those days, the government was doing the opposite. We all were telling people, get out of your house, go go to church, go to large gatherings, be with people. And we came together, and now it's the reverse of the moment we really need people in our life, we're being told to stay away. And I understand that. I, I'm not faulting the government or anyone for that. I understand the seriousness of the situation. But that causes people who struggle with, with some anxiety, depression, uh, with drug addictions, you know, the one thing they don't need is to be isolated. And so what I say to those people who are going to that, remember, phones still work, computers still work. And so even though you may be physically isolated, which you need to be, you can also still stay connected to people.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad we made that point, and about, about the churches too. I, I talked with someone who works in you know vocational ministry, and, and they provide products for churches. You forget about that. This is not an organization that takes donations. This is an organization that is that, that makes their money, by producing curriculum and all kinds right. of things and, and camps that they do over the summer, you know, with youth groups. And they said that their whole way of living vanished literally overnight uh, because, right. because, you know, if the churches are not doing what they were doing and then the, your churches that are 500 people are less, you know, 20% of, of people give a tithe. And what we mean by that, you've seen these surveys, Phil, mm-hmm. meaning these are people that their tithe is not negotiable. And and that's mm-hmm. that's usually only about twenty percent of the church body. Now that's sad, but it's true. So most of the churches make it on the the giver that hasn't really committed that they could depend mm-hmm. on. That they give when it's it, it feels good or when things are going well. Well, all of that money has dried up, and uh, right. and and so now more than ever, you know, the tithe and 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 God, you know, First Peter one six and seven, uh, you know, is clear that we're a lot of times we're allowed to go through you know, times of, of grieving and suffering to test the genuineness of our faith. And right. uh, and I think now more than ever when it comes to the tithe that God demands, uh, you right. know, it, whether we're going to be obedient to that. True obedience is when you're obedient even when it's not easy to be. And uh, That's
1: exactly right.
0: And, and I think now more than ever because, as you said, I know a lot of your medium to small churches, they're telling people, Here's the check that we have for you. We can't promise another one. No. And, uh, and, and that's happening everywhere.
2: Uh, so we well, we need to remember that. Well, a slowdown in the economy is is. I, I but we were talking about it, Phil. It's like a when you hear a train stop and the cars start hitting each other down. I mean, it just it, it's such a domino effect. We we don't even really think about right. how complicated our economy is. That's why so many people have different theories because it's very complicated and it acts different at different times and it's it's hard to stop and it's going to be hard to get going again. Right. And you
1: know, one of the things when you deal with that, even among those people who are very faithful tithers, some of them have lost their job. Sure. And some of them are really being challenged right now because of fear. And the fear is, okay, I can tithe this week, but what if I don't have a check next week? Right. And that becomes, that becomes issues for people. I have a, a good friend who said to me the other day, he said, you know, he said, I think we're about to see, uh, in terms of church leadership, if we've been producing disciples, or we have just been amusing and entertaining people. Because when the entertainment ends, we lose our crowd. The crowd goes home. But if we have really produced disciples, then they're going to be people who are going to be faithful even when the church is scattered, as it was in, in the days of the apostles when they were scattered because of persecution and everything else. Because they were true disciples, they kept on serving and they kept being faithful. So in some ways, I tell people, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't go through this for anything, but there may be some positive things that come out of this that we really see, maybe as church leaders, if we've been producing disciples or whether we've just been entertaining people.
0: Yeah, th- this will be a test to find out wh- how many cultural Christians you have and how many disciples you mm-hmm. have. Uh, and, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think about Acts chapter 4. You're right. I mean, when they started being persecuted, they didn't get together and pray for the persecution to stop or that God take it easy on them. They went and prayed for boldness that they wouldn't embarrass God when they when, when they were persecuted. And I think that now more than ever, we need to be praying for boldness that we, we don't act cowardly during this time.
1: Yeah, and you know, one of the things, Rick, I will tell people when we talk about boldness, you know, I got to tell you, and I think we're all guilty of this, you know, we really didn't think, you know, 9-11, sure, that's an enemy. That's a war. America had been through, uh, you know, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War. We had been through all of those wars before 9-11. And so we kind of knew we could face down a, a, an enemy in war. But I don't think none of us thought, and let's be honest, we had a little pride here in being an American We never dreamed what we're experiencing was even possible. Because, you know, hey, we're Mm -hmm. Americans. We're the smartest people in the world. And I say that because there are so many of my pastor friends. I had a a Zoom call yesterday with two pastors in New England, and and I thought they would be discouraged, ready to throw in the towel because their churches are small. And they both said to me, man, I got people calling me now that wouldn't even speak to me about their relationship <laughs> with the Lord, because they're scared to death about what's going to happen, and yeah, they're right. wanting something for to stand on. So yeah. I want to encourage Christians, this is the time to be bold, because guess what? There are people going to listen to us now that wouldn't listen to us three months ago, because suddenly fear has gripped them, and they realize that with all the great minds in America, uh, we can be brought to our knees.
0: Yeah, and, and we keep saying that,
2: don't waste this, that's the worst thing don't go through this and then waste it and phil you're you're absolutely correct and and the irony we've talked about this on the air too that you know with our military and our defense posture and we have this you know incredible nuclear arsenal to protect us and we have things in space and you know submarines and and, but we we can't protect ourselves from this and it came out of nowhere and is doing incredible damage that Really, we've never had done to our country in our lifetime. I mean, maybe back a hundred years ago.
0: Yeah, well, I, and you're right, Bob. I know I've struggled with this. It, it's an mo from even the way that I was raised, and, and I love my mother and father. But I'm talking. About, our mo has always been self sufficiency, yeah. and I think so many times human beings, one of the biggest sins we have in our life is self sufficiency. And I don't mean that you're not. You sh- we're not supposed to be irresponsible. Not supposed to be good providers. Not supposed to do our jobs. I'm not saying that because we're told to do our job really well, to be excellent. But you know what I mean? I'll get to God when I don't have anywhere else to turn. Let me make sure that I've exhausted everything I can do first. And, uh, right. and self-sufficiency is being taken away right now, to Bubba's point, and I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I do too, because, you know, one of the things that I believe God does for us is he brings us to the place to where we realize, you know, he's really all we got. Yeah. And, you know, even, even in the scientific community, I mean, when have we heard scientists really say, we don't know how to deal with this? Right. Now, we got great minds who are working on it, but they don't have a miracle cure. They don't have something, a magic wand. I think we all wish they did. Um, and, and I tell people, what people are losing now, what we've always had in America, we've always had in America, was hope. Yeah. We've always had hope. And, you know, now everybody is grasping for that and reminding us we're going to get through this. And I believe we are, too. But, you know, in those three things Paul talked about when he said they're about his faith, hope, and love, we talk about hope in the least, but yet hope is the one thing people have to have. And when people lose hope, they need to hear about the only hope that is found in Christ, that no matter what, because you know what, Rick and, and Bubba, uh, God was not— taken off guard. I mean, there was yeah. not a few weeks ago in heaven, they didn't, all the angels didn't start saying, oh my goodness, what happened? And God said, oh wow, I didn't see this coming. Right. No, God did. And even in his love, he's trying to teach us something and trying to show us something so that we come out on the better. Uh, I, I really think, and I'm not just saying spiritually, I, I mean, I think every businessman I've talked to, they're going to do business different. One of the things with our conferences, That because we went through an experience a few uh, years ago, uh, eight years ago, when a tornado hit the Branson Convention Center two months before we were there with a Women of Joy event. Um, And so all of a sudden, we had to rearrange, and fortunately, it worked out. But we then realized, hey, you know what, any moment something can happen. So we had to start doing the way we did business differently. Now, we didn't see something of this proportion coming but we were able to to make business decisions to prepare you know as I tell people uh, one thing that came out of that depression generation my parents were both born during the depression was you know my dad never waste anything yeah, and right. he always made sure he mm-hmm. had something for a rainy day and uh, we kind of grew up all sufficient, so we didn't see the importance of that. So maybe there were some good things that can come out of this. I'd just be glad when we get through it.
0: Yeah. And to me, it's like 9 11 or any, and everybody in our own life, you know, we have personal 9 11s, which we'll get into here in just a minute right. with your new book. But, you know, when people say, well, you know, you'll be okay when it gets back to normal. No, when you've gone through the any kind of catastrophic thing in your life, you get back to a new normal. And, uh, that's and right. you don't ever get back to the way things were before because this has changed everything, but sometimes that new normal can actually be better than the normal you had before. And I, oh, it, true. yeah. And, and, and that's, uh, th- that's the other thing. Can I ask you this, Phil, you, you said you're rearranging women of joy and moving those mm-hmm. dates around. There's only one date for the gridiron men's conference and right. it is father's day weekend. As of the time of us recording
1: this podcast, is it still on? Yes, we're full speed ahead. The city of Huntsville right now has told us, and they're like everyone else, uh, we don't need to make decisions until we're about 30 days out. Yeah. Um, that gives us plenty of time to, to accommodate. And I think, you know, the response that people are saying um, everywhere that we're talking to is, man, if come June, if we're, back, if we're not back to normal where people can gather and, be with one another. Well, the effect of that is going to be is going to be very profound, and I think at this point that's why time is of the essence. And so we're making decisions based on many factors, but partly we know that 30 days out, by the middle of May, we're still okay to make the call. And 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 say we can't do it or we move it later in the summer or whatever the case may be but one of the reasons why not just with gridiron but all of these cities are pleading with us to yeah. wait till 30 days is if we return to a level of normalcy you know it's again to use i think uh, i think it was you or bubba said a moment ago about the train effect yeah. you know when a train completely stops you can't just jump in and get to 50 mile an hour in two minutes yeah. it takes a while for all of this economy to start going again and cities will tell you when you have a large event in town, that jumpstarts the economy. So I think, you know, again, we're watching it very closely. We get updates uh, virtually every day and talking to people, and they're pleading with us, stay the course for now. Until about 30 days out, you'll have plenty of time to make adjustments. So that's what our plans are right now. I hope men are still planning to be there because if we do get back to a level of normalcy, the good thing is we get to be a blessing to the city of Huntsville that's right. in many ways and just to their economy and everything else. So as of right now, yes, we're planning to do and any decision it changes to that will be made probably um, around the middle of May.
0: And certainly the Rick and Bubba show will keep you updated on that. And, of course, you can go to Men. to stay focused on that as well. Dot org. Dot org, .org. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah. dot org.
1: Mm Gridironmen.org.
0: Yeah, gridironmen.org. And here's the other good news. The point you made is so important. I think a lot of people see that as well. That'll affect these speakers, and they'll go on to something else, and that'll affect (laughs) uh, the Phil Waldrop Ministries, but they'll move on to something else. No, you have to understand events impact the entire community in which they are held, Mm -hmm. and those communities do not Mm -hmm. want to lose that revenue unless it's absolutely necessary. And uh, Well, I
1: get Can I give you an example of that? Sure. Uh, Pigeon Forge has had to go to a complete shutdown. And, of course, that's a tourism town. And so it's based on tourism and events that come to town. Well, their city budget with police and fire and everything they have to do is about $3 million a month. And as of last week, in the month of March, and remember, the first part of March, things were going strong. The first part through last week. They haven't even taken in $1 million for the month of March, where normally they would have between three and $4 million.
2: Mm-hmm. And the
1: whole city is going to be closed down pretty much, we know for now, the whole month of April. So their revenue has plummeted to nothing. So then that means there are people who are employed in the city that's going to have to be laid off. And as I said, most of the hotels there have completely shut their doors, mm. keeping just people in the office, 90% of the people. And, Rick, the thing that really stands out to me is, you know, let, let, let's just speak honest here in a minute. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Rick and Baba and Phil Walter, we're, we're going to, at least for a time being, we're going to be okay. You know, yeah. I, I mean, and the people that it breaks my heart are like those single moms who clean rooms at a hotel that have gotten laid off. Oh, yeah. And they go home. And sure, there are organizations to help. But remember, those organizations are hurting, too. And I know everybody says the government's going to do it. Well, the truth of the matter is, if the government comes to the rescue, which hopefully they will, that takes time. What is she going to do between now and the day she can get a check from the government? It's not going to be quick and easy. So the good thing that I want to do is to give those people hope again to say, wait, we're coming to town, we're going to be here and strong, and you know, and I'm going to tell people when we do that gridiron, please tip like you've never tipped before. Um, just, you know, I had a friend the other day who said to me, he said, when I went and picked up a meal at a drive-thru, because you can do that in our area, not go in, and he said, most people do that. We're kind of used to McDonald's. We don't think about tipping the girl who brings the food out. That's, that's right. And he said, and he, this was a guy, he told me, he said, my wife and I have been blessed. Uh, we've not been affected by this. So he said, we have a policy. Whatever the food costs, that's what the tip is for the person who brings it out. That's right. And he says, you know how many of those people walk away with tears in their eyes because somebody cared enough? So no doubt. It, you're right. It, it, it is a big impact that happens in a city.
0: So now let's transition a little bit because, you know, people have been quarantined. We are at home with, with this free time that's come out of nowhere. I mean, it, we, right. just what we were talking about, anything I do outside of the Rick and Bubba show, of the live show everyday has all been canceled. Uh, so I'm not going off doing speaking events right now and so I'm at home more than I've been at home in years. Our, our kids have come back that are in college, they're back with us so we we all have free time and we're right. and, you know and you think well here's that book that I should have read or here's this issue in my life that I meant to deal with. There's time to do it now and you you've written a book called Beyond Betrayal: Overcoming Past Hurts and begin to trust again. Now, there's people that have had betrayal in their life. You did. You talk about it in the book. And they might have had that put on the shelf because of the busyness of life. They've never dealt with it. But, oh, here we are again. I'm sitting down in my easy chair. I'm standing out on the deck outside looking around. I've got this free time, which can be a good thing, but it's also bringing back all the pain, all the hurt. And I'm being reminded again that this is still unresolved in my life and now would be a great time to read this book. So so let, let's
1: talk about it and what your intentions are with the book, Phil. Well, let me tell you what happened. Of course, you mentioned that I went through a deep betrayal. And Rick, i got to be honest, even though I was doing ministry for 20 years, I never really dealt with that betrayal. Because I did the big Christian thing. I said, oh, I've forgiven, I'm over it, I'm past it. And, you know it's been my experience and you know this too when people start telling me they're over something most of the time if they're having to tell me they're over it they're yeah. not over right and and i began to realize wait this really did it impact me and when i started walking through and and quite frankly i had to relive some of the pain emotionally but to walk through it and understand what real forgiveness is and how to get past it where i could trust again because when I went through a betrayal, when anybody goes through a betrayal, whether it's your spouse being unfaithful to you, whether it's a business partner, you know, who did something and took the money and ran, maybe your employer, another employee that you share some confidential information, they shared it with a boss, you didn't get the promotion, or just your best friend told, a, you know, a secret. Whatever, I mean, the, 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 the list is endless. But when you go through a betrayal, the, the result is you don't look at people the same anymore. You really don't trust anybody. I mean, you, you start looking at people like, okay, I'm not sure I can trust you. And you, you begin to put on a filter. And many times you don't allow people to get close to you because we build a wall around our heart. And we say, if nobody can get inside to me, if, the, if I can keep everybody out with this wall, nobody can hurt me. And you're right. But I can also tell you, if you build that wall, nobody can love you. And it causes you to have so much isolation and loneliness and, and and even some depression and discouragement, because you really are hungry for love. You know, I tell people all the time, God made us for relationships. If he didn't, then he would have created millions of little islands, put us out in the ocean, and all of us would have had our own private island. And But he didn't design us that way. He designed us for relationships. But when we have been betrayed by someone, the result of that is we don't look at people the same, and we're never really happy again because we have unhealthy relationships. And so really why I sit down and wrote Beyond the Trail is I'm like, okay, I'll tell you my story, and then I want to tell you what I did practically to help me get through that.
0: So some of the things are in the book, and we certainly don't have to, you know, because we want them to read the book, and we don't have time, frankly, to go through the entire book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk a little bit. You, you have in here five healthy ways to express anger. You've got six actions uh, that activate healing and forgiveness. Let's let's go to the latter, because I, I, I think, and we talked about this in our brief conversation about this before, but a lot of people hearing this that never heard that. And and I think even people of faith, we know we're called to forgive clearly, but I don't think we fully understand what that means. And I think the reason why some people, to your point, they just say, "Okay, I forgive that person," then they move on, and then it never it just festers in their life. So let's talk about what the Bible means and some of these actions you can take on biblical forgiveness, the kind that will free you uh,
1: from from the damage it's doing to you, even. Well, you know, I I realized uh, Rick and Bubba. Early in my Christian life, I really got the impression that if I told you I forgave you, that just the fact that I said it meant I forgave you. And I began to realize forgiveness is not something that's with words. Forgiveness is something I do in my heart. It is a choice, and I may not feel like forgiving you. But yet, when you process a forgiving someone, it has to be from your heart. If it's just something I say verbally, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the way I compare it is, you know, when you get through speaking at those little country churches and you're standing at the back door, everybody walks out and says, I enjoyed your sermon today. And you want to look at them and say, well, you must have. You slept through the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know, we we say that because culturally— That's what we're supposed to say. And we don't, so that's kind of sometimes when we say, I forgive you, it's a little bit of a culture because if I say I don't forgive you, then I'm a horrible Christian. But I'll tell you what I had to discover about forgiveness. You see, I got to be honest, it was hard for me to forgive. And it wasn't that I didn't want to forgive. It's because I didn't understand forgiveness. I didn't understand the difference between forgiveness and trust. Uh, See, I thought if I forgave the person who betrayed me, I thought that meant that I had to immediately restore him to the same level of trust that existed before the betrayal. Right. And that's not true at all. As a matter of fact, you know, if you study the Scriptures, we're told to trust God. We're told to love people, be kind to people, all those things. But, you know, there's nowhere in Scripture where we're told to trust people. Nowhere. And there's a reason for that, because trust is something you earn. It's not something I can just give to you. And when I realized that forgiveness means I give up my rights to revenge, I give up my rights to get even, I give up my rights to cause you to hurt. Because when you've been betrayed or you've been wounded, you want the person who hurt you to hurt as much as you're hurting, if not more. And when I gave up my rights and said, okay, God, I I want you to know, if you choose, Lord, to bless the person who betrayed me, if you choose to bless them, I'm not going to have an issue with it. Now, i got to admit that's a struggle because <laughs> I want them to hurt. But I had to realize I was not required in forgiving them, that I was not required to trust them again. That's why sometimes when, when I talk to people, you know, I, I talk to people in church all the time, and maybe they had a pastor who had an affair or did something immoral or, you know, uh, or, or stole money or something. And, and it was proven. It's not an accusation. It's a fact. Sometimes the pastors say, well, y'all just need to forgive me, and let's go on having church. And people are like, I don't trust my pastor. And I say, now, wait a minute. you got to understand, and I say this to sometimes the pastors who have committed those sins. You have got to allow people to be accountable. Trust has to be earned or re-earned, if that's a word, um, and to earn it again. So – I want people to understand forgiveness is one thing. Trust is something totally separate. And particularly for men, that doesn't mean you have to restore it. Maybe someday it can be. You may never get to the place where you can trust at the same level. Trust is different from forgiveness. Forgiveness is I give up my rights to revenge. And even if God chooses to bless that person, I'm not going to have an issue with God.
0: Yeah, I, I had the exact conversation one time with, with someone uh, about the very thing, same thing you just said, and they said, you know, well, uh, I, I, do you forgive me? And I said, I do, and I meant that. I really did, and I worked on it. And then they said, well, then let's get by, right, right back to the way things were. And I said, well, no, I'm not going to do that. And, of course, what you heard was, well, then you don't forgive me. And I and I said, no. I, I said, no, you're, you're and I, I literally said the phrase you just said, and that was, no, no, I forgive you. I just don't trust you. And and but right. because I can't trust you yet because there's been there's been no time yeah. passed for me to see the fruit of this change in your life that would make you worthy of being trusted again.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think, and I've never thought, Phil. And and you tell me this that that you're obligated to do that. I I kind of look at it like a wall that has been okay. knocked down. I can say, mm-hmm. look, I, okay, I don't blame you for knocking this wall down, okay, because I like you obviously because we had a relationship yeah. prior to this. Yeah. But we're going right. to have to build this wall back, and I'm not going to put myself in a position where I would want revenge again. So the way I do that is we slow walk this back, and hopefully we get back. The wall never looks like it did, right. but we can rebuild the wall to some level. But I, I don't think that's not forgiving. I've never thought of it that way. Right.
1: Yeah, it's not forgiving. Forgiveness means that I'm not going to go knock your wall down.
2: Right, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs>
1: Forgiveness means that I'm not going to try to intentionally. I'm not going to become revengeful toward you. Right, but it's but okay to
2: protect yourself and let that let your protection, totally. you know, slowly melt mm-hmm. and warm back up to that trust.
1: Well, sometimes you have to go through a healing process. Right. And, and, and one thing is, and maybe to see it from another angle, because there's, there's going to be guys and people listening to us right now. They were the betrayal. You're the guy who was unfaithful yeah. to your wife. Yeah. Okay. And, and one of the things you've got to understand about betrayal is this. See, men go home, and it's like, honey, I love you. I'm having nothing to do with her anymore. I, I want you to know I, I'm, I'm all in in the marriage, and I love you. And then the guy says to me, and the next day she's checking my phone messages, yeah. wanting to see, like she just sort of trusts me. No, <laughs> you've <laughs> got to re earn that trust. Right. And if you're the betrayer, you've got to be patient and allow that people to question you because that's the only way you're going to get trust again. To allow people to question you, to ask where you've been, who you've been with, allow them to verify it. And if you will allow that and you're sincere, that you understand, you caused the wound, so you're going to, have to, you're going to have to allow that accountability. And sometimes, men especially, we don't like that. We want life to return to normal. Right. Because most people who betray you, they didn't start out to hurt you. They really didn't. They started out, as I said, people say, why does somebody betray you? They betray you because they're selfish. They tr- betray you because they're sinful. And most of the time, see, the devil told your betrayer, nobody will ever know this. Nobody will ever find out about it. And the minute you fall into that sin and you betray somebody, the devil makes sure everybody knows about it. Yep. He goes and he broadcasts it because he is, a, you know, he's accused accuser of the brethren. He wants to destroy your credibility, your integrity, your marriage, whatever the case is. And so he makes sure everybody out there knows what's going on. And uh, And you want to go back to the normal. If you're the betrayer, you want to get back to normal. But it's going to take you a long time, to use uh, Bubba's analogy there. You, you've got to allow time for the wall to be rebuilt. It takes time, and you've got to allow that.
0: And I think when you're the betrayer, you've got to have humility. I mean, repentance oh, sure. requires humility. So humility before God and humility before the person you betrayed, because just like just like you're not opening up your, like, say, the, the man who, who betrayed his marriage because he's been on the computer looking at porn. Well, he Mm -hmm. wants his wife that when he says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I love you, I love you, please forgive me, like the Bible says, and then he doesn't want his wife to have uh, the password to his computer. You know, and she says, well, let's be open. I want to see, I want to help you, so everything you're doing on the computer, I should be allowed to see. Well, if you're (laughs) humble, you say, yeah, i put myself in that situation. And I want that accountability, number one, you, you I owe it to you. Number two, it right. may help me not to make that mistake again because now we've we've raised the level of accountability because I really want to fix the problem between the two of us. And I, I think a lot of times the person who, and, and, and it goes both ways, who is the betrayer thinks that you are being unforgiving because you, you're wanting them to pay a price and be punished for what they did. Yeah. Now, number one, if we're the one who've been betrayed, that can't be our attitude attitude really needs to be you just need to earn that trust again i don't hold any ill will i don't want you to suffer as you said i don't want to knock your wall down because you knocked mine down but the, the the betrayer has to understand that just because someone now says your trust has to be earned again that's not necessarily means they have the wrong spirit
1: right exactly right think of it this way you wouldn't walk out on the street today see somebody you've never seen before in your life And you say, hey, buddy, would you hold my wallet for me? I'll be back in one hour to get it. And you've got all your money and your credit cards in the wallet. You wouldn't do that. And the reason is because you don't know that person. You don't trust that person. Now, if you walked out and you really need somebody to hold your wallet and you saw Bubba and said, hey, Bubba, hold my wallet. I'll be back in an hour. You would do that quickly because of a relationship and because of trust. And take that into the concept of being betrayed. You suddenly become the person they can't trust again. You're the guy on the street they don't know. The person they thought they knew, That's right. suddenly you shattered that. So now you don't know. So you've got to go back to the beginning and start all over in the relationship. And trust has to be earned. And that takes time. And one of the things is I see a lot with people who are the betrayer is they immediately saying, just forgive me. Everybody's got to forgive me. Let's get back to normal. No, if you do that, it's going to be unhealthy because you need the trust factor in your life. And as I tell people, when you betray people, uh, it hurts people and sometimes they don't, it's like, they may never get over it and they may never be able to trust you again you know but i thought that for years I, I thought well if i forgive the person who betrayed me i've immediately got to put him back in my ministry no 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 now today i, I wish him the ill will he's been blessed i'm grateful for that uh, i could probably be a friend with him again he just never could work for me again because i'm not sure that level of trust could be restored for several reasons but I think that's what we have to understand. Just because I don't trust you doesn't mean I don't forgive you. Do you think sometimes the
0: betray the person who's been betrayed? I've heard this a lot. Withholds forgiveness. I'm talking about forgiveness. I'm not talking about trust. They withhold forgiveness because they think if they forgive, that means what they the person did to them didn't matter.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, they're oh, almost absolutely. endorsing it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and I see that a lot, particularly – or or I feel like sometimes people who have been betrayed, they feel like – and I've heard this before. Now I have a license to do the same thing, particularly in a marriage. I, I've got a trump card now. I, I've got me an ace up my sleeve that, you know, if I ever want to do that, I can go do that, and he or she can't get mad at me. No, no, no. That's as equally as wrong because, you know, that's going to hurt too. But I do believe sometimes we use – forgiveness almost like a carrot, particularly if somebody wants our forgiveness. Well, I'm not sure I can forgive you, but, you know, if you'll go do one, two, three, and four, if you go do these five things, then I'll forgive you. No, because you have to remember the model for forgiveness is is our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and God himself is the one we pattern, and God doesn't say to us, I'll forgive you, you know, if you'll go out and, you know, do this, this, and this, and when you get good enough, I'll forgive you. No, forgiveness is something that is given, and it's not earned. In fact, I tell people forgiveness is the opposite of trust. You earn my trust, but you cannot earn my forgiveness. Forgiveness is something I choose to give to you. Trust is something you earn. So with about
0: four minutes left, you, you said that but there are healthy ways to express your anger when you've been betrayed. Hit a few of those. You don't have to hit all five, but, but hit a few of those.
1: Well, let me tell you the main one that helped me was whenever I felt like, as you want to verbalize your anger, I got out a piece of paper, and I wrote on a piece of paper what I wanted to say. As a matter of fact, I, I found this when I read a biography of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln would get angry at some people in the military when he was president, and he would write them this scolding letter of how terrible they was and how awful they was and what an embarrassment to the union they were. And then he would say, I'm not going to mail it for two days, and then he would burn it in the fire. But he was able to express it without destroying additional relationships. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people, when you're feeling this anger and you feel like you got to verbalize something, stand down and write your betrayal a letter. Mm-hmm. Just don't give it to them. And that allows you to express what you feel without taking your anger out on other people. In fact, there's, there's something. I don't know who said this. It's not original with me. But here's what I tell people that you have to understand when you've gone through a betrayal. If you do not heal what hurts you, you will bleed on people who did not cut you. Mm. And you will start hurting your kids, your other friends, and other people if you don't deal with that betrayal. And if you start expressing your anger to other people, you're going to destroy those relationships. So express your anger on paper and then shred it. Believe me, it works, and it's helpful. And another one I give is remember to read, you know, David was betrayed. Go read the Psalms. My, many of the Psalms is when David is expressing what he wrote out on a piece of paper. The Holy Spirit just made sure it got preserved for us under his inspiration <laughs> to let us see, hey, he's the king, and he feels this way. It's okay to do that. And, of course, we I don't take this lightly. When you're when you're talking to God and you're praying, you can tell God exactly how you feel. You know how many times I told God what I thought of the person who betrayed me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I told go, him that a
2: lot. Yeah. Go tell Jesus you, on him. You might as well tell yeah. him. He knows anyway. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Somebody said I could never tell God that. I said well, he already knows. I'm not telling him something you don't know. But when we express that, those are healthy ways to do it where we're not destroying other relationships.
0: Yeah, I thought about the writing. I would add to this, this little caveat in The Times We're Living In. If that's an email, what Phil is saying, print it out, read it a few times, don't hit send. That's right. That's
2: right. That's
1: right. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's better. I feel old-fashioned writing stuff out by my hand. But, yeah, you don't hit send. Or, or you do what a friend of mine did. He said, I felt like I had to send the email so he created another email account, and he sent it to himself. <laughs> ah, that's, funny. that's funny. So the book that <laughs> I did, I felt like I had to in That's
0: good. Uh, because that was therapeutic for him, but it didn't cause a lot of damage. Uh, right. and, and usually God repairs things in a way that causes the least amount of damage. We're, we usually cause a lot of damage uh, when we try yep. to do it our way. Beyond Betrayal, Phil, thanks for all you're doing. Uh, thanks uh, for Uh, I've really enjoyed the relationship that we developed over the years through the gridiron and look forward to what God has ahead. But the book is called Beyond Betrayal. What a great time during this pandemic. You've got the extra time. Maybe there's something in your life, or maybe you're the person who's betrayed somebody else, and this will help you understand it a little better. Beyond Betrayal is available wherever books are sold, and you certainly can go to Phil. I guess we can get it off of your website as well.
1: Yeah, there's a special website, beyondbetrayalbook.com, that's been set up just for the book. But you can get it at Amazon, you know, Barnes & Noble, books a Million, anywhere. But if you can go to Beyond uh, beyondbetrayalbook.com, that's a special website just for the book.
0: Thank you, Phil Waldrop. Thanks for being with us on uh, the latest edition of Rick and Bubba University.